The following is offered by Discerning Hearts, a 501 nonprofit Catholic apostolate dedicated to spiritual formation through the use of digital media. To download this selection, or to browse hundreds of other programs, or to contribute to our mission with a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, visit our website at discerninghearts.com. The Formed Book Club. Catholic book lovers unpacking good books chapter by chapter. Welcome to the Forum Book Club. We continue to discuss how we do box the drama of atheist humanism. We finished up with uh, chapter one of the section Dostoevsky up here. We're going to begin with chapter two, the bankruptcy of atheism. Oh, was there any concluding remarks that we didn't get in on the chapter one there that you wanted to? Well, I thought the very end of 308, where we talked about this term humanist and how unhelpful that is, uh, the Lubach continues and says, whatever may be thought of his orthodoxy, meaning Dostoevsky's, which is doubly in question, the thing can hardly be denied. His Christianity is genuine. Okay, so... Yeah, we get into these labels, East, West, Orthodox, Roman Catholic, you know, all these things, and we can lose the forest through the trees. The point is... Yeah, that it, it is. We talk about how the word humanist can be confusing and ambiguous, to use the the, the, the word that, that Lubeck uses, but orthodoxy here, right? First of all, it's in, it's in inverted commas. <laughs> so, you know, what, what, what sort of orthodox talk about? And it's lowercase o not uppercase O. So, you know, again, as with the word humanist, the word orthodox, we have to be careful when we're using it as to what we're actually talking about here. Um, and so I think it's important. Again, same thing with Christianity, but yes. But Delubach's point that he tried to make with this previous chapter is to show the profound depth of Dostoevsky's faith in Christ and, yeah. and that you can't really understand his work if you don't understand that. And that, Absolutely. I want to refer back to something Joseph said last session, too, that because we are Orthodox Christians, we are Catholic, Orthodox is small, or we're Catholic, that East and West has some meaning for us. But the real uh, patriotism, the real fatherland is Christendom, the, the Catholic Church, the communion of saints, you know, in, in heaven and on earth, so that that does unite East, West, North, and South. All right, bankruptcy of atheism. Uh, 309, and Joseph, you're taking away here, but the first sentence, Dostoevsky's books abound in atheists. Uh, well, I'll continue, because the bottom of the page there, uh, what's the reason that Dubovac gives three lines up for limiting that review that he makes to the analysis of the most striking cases? It's in order to throw into relief the principal types of atheism whose bankruptcy he successfully demonstrates. Now, this kind of gives us a prelude to what he's going to do. Here's the three types. The ideal of the man-god, the ideal of the Tower of Babel, the ideal of the Palace of Glass. These three images are ready to hand. Respect, what do they denote? The the man-god ideal is the spiritual ideal of the individual who is alone to himself. Okay, that's individualism. Two, the social ideal of the revolutionary who proposes to ensure without God the happiness of mankind. And three, the power of glass, palace of glass, the rational ideal of the philosopher who rejects every kind of mystery. So he's going to take these three types of atheism and through his characters show what they lead to 
on the level of human existence. And that these intuitions are what made Dostoevsky a prophet. That's the conclusion of that section. Yeah. And one might add, a judge of our age. Joseph? Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm, glad, I'm glad you did that, Father, because you say it sets the scene, it sets the structure for this chapter where he's going to now have the three parts of this chapter, uh, the, the man-god, the Tower of Babel, and the Palace of Glass. Uh, the first thing I have highlighted, though, is not to 314, so if anybody wants to jump in prior to that, feel free. That's my first one, too. Vivian? Um, well, only that if there are readers of Dostoevsky out there who are wondering a good example of the first one, the man-god, that's Raskolnikov. I love this expression, the unsuccessful Nietzschean. <laughs> uh, he's an example of that kind of atheist, trying out the individual who is a law unto himself. But he says that's the weakest of these, of our man-gods. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the, the only thing I would say is, is there such a thing as a successful Nietzschean? <laughs> a good question. <laughs> I doubt it. Um, so three fourteen. Shall I? Yeah. Shall I? Shall I take up the cudgels there? Yeah. Yep. So the middle of the page. Um, am I capable of rising above myself or not? He asked himself one day in one of his merciless self-examinations. That is another of his Nietzschean expressions, but in the in the sense in which he uses it, which is Nietzsche's sense, no man is capable of rising above himself. It is not because he is weak, it is because he is a man that Raskolnikov is finally obliged to recognize the truth about man and that in order to find the divine life, he has to give up trying to be a god, which I think is why I sort of said, is there such a thing as a successful Nietzschean? Because of course, you know, if you're going to be a Nietzschean and see, see what, what you believe through to its logical conclusion you end up by accepting that you're not a Nietzschean <laughs> in other words that I'm not God right um I, I can talk about myself being God but the more that I actually try to be God the more it becomes evident that I'm not well don't you love this paradox to find the divine life you have to give up trying to be God I want to see if I can summarize this Raskolnikov here and tell me if I'm correct because there's a long time since I read it and I'm kind of basing myself on what he says about it but basically Raskolnikov wants to show that he's above all the laws. He's alone to himself by killing someone for no reason at all, except that he wants to kill her. Right. You know, but he does it and he can't, he, he, he has regret or remorse or something. He can't get it out of his mind. And he thinks it's because he's too weak to really carry it through. Yes. And Lubach says, not because you're weak, it's because you're a man. That's right. Okay. You have a conscience because you're a man, not because you're weak. And the thing that throws Raskolnikov off, you see, is that the person that he has in his mind to justify his murder really is a wretched person. But her daughter walks in, and now he has to kill her too. He has to kill her too. And now he's racked with guilt that he killed an innocent person along with a supposedly guilty person. Of course, he was never justified in killing the guilty person either, but nevertheless, yeah. this made it really complicated for poor Raskolnikov, and he was plagued with his conscience from the start. Yeah, and again, just immediately below that, staying with the recurring motif we have going at the moment of the, <clears throat> the unsuccessful Nietzschean, the bottom of page 314, uh, Stavrogin's pride, the pride of a Lucifer, leads to suicide, and that tragic end reflects the spiritual suicide of the being 
who actually fused himself to being and who has arrogantly willed his own emptiness. So again, that the ultimate victory of Nietzschean Luciferian pride is suicide, um, uh, the, the killing of oneself. Um, and is that a victory? I mean, yeah, I'm sure there'll be Nietzscheans to say it is. Uh, this is my final victory. I'm going to take my own life as an act of spite or anger against reality or God or, or, or Christ or whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, if that if the ultimate victory of, of the one who ref, who refuses himself to being, who has refused himself to being, which is a wonderful turn of phrase by mm -hmm. Dudu back there, if, if the consequence of the being who refuses himself to being to God is that he has no choice ultimately but to commit suicide, then how on earth can that be called a victory? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's what he's saying here. People stronger than Raskolnikov are equally defeated, right? Like, yes, there's so, but this, yes, refused himself to being is a wonderful phrase because you, it, 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 it demands that you think about, so what am I supposed to be doing? If I'm, if refusing myself to being is the thing that leads to my self-destruction, Annihilation. And that's what a, it's a capital B being. Being capital being. Refuse himself to being with a capital B. If refusing myself to being is self annihilation, what's the thing I'm supposed to be doing? Surrendering myself to being, and, oh, and I'll only surrender myself if I've been humbled enough to realize that my self will uh, is not the answer to the question of my being. <laughs> I may have said this before, but I want to say it again because it's worth saying again, uh, or the first time I said it. <laughs> uh, Athanasius, in his book on the Incarnation of Christ, his word for man human being is kataonta, according to being. Athanasius has this idea that God is haon, the being, and what's not God is the ukon, non being, and man is something only if he's kata, according to, ordered to, faced, facing, being. But as soon as man turns away from God, no longer who's kata anta, what's left? Nothingness. It's a beautiful, I mean, linguistic way that Athanasius sees man as suspended between God and nothing. It's a beautiful title of the book by Carlos Seurat, God or Nothing, you know. Anyway, close parenthesis. Joseph, what's next? Uh, well, I have just a comment on the bottom two lines of the footnote on page 316. I thought it interesting that Albert Camus should say this. Um, uh, like Nietzsche, the most famous of the assassins of God, he, that's uh, Ivan Karamazov, ends in madness. So again, the consequence, you know, if we even, even thoughts of suicide, um, uh, is, is something which is not quite sane, right? So uh, it, it seems to me that 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 Nietzscheanism, you know, Nietzsche goes physically mad, and whatever the cause of that is, right? Um, whether it's demonic possession or something chemical in the brain, whatever. So but it seems to me that his ideas are themselves madness. And yeah. we shouldn't be surprised in that case, if a man's obsessed with these crazy ideas, he should go crazy. Anything more on the man God? Um, yeah, I've got something on page 319. Go ahead. So, so this is the, bo the, the bottom of that 
paragraph that takes up most of the page. Kirillov is a victim. His idea does not liberate him, it devours him. His divinity preys upon him. So again, you know, this, uh, this uh, idea of uh, uh, the man-god, the man who self-deifies, makes a god of himself, actually finds that he's actually also, the god he's created for himself, himself, preys upon himself. It devours him. Um, it's self-destructive. Uh, so we worship the self, and it destroys the self. And then a few lines below that, the two most opposite ideas in the world are coming into collision, he says in the journal of the author, an author. The man-god has met the god-man. It is the Nietzschean experience over again. So that's the choice. It's, it's between our making ourselves god or bending the knee between the true, before the true god. And that is all I have to say on that. So the next section of the Tower of Babel has to do with the social atheist who wants to build a society that is humane uh, without God, uh, which is the, basically the title of this book, The Drama of Atheist Humanism. Well, I guess you could take them both individual humanism and social humanism, but uh, bottom of that page 320, he says uh, to Lubach, the point is that this tower, that is the attempt of man to make himself God or make a society that reaches up to heaven, which is himself at the top, is something that man is powerless to build. If it is not God who helps him, then it must be devils. It will be the work of those who are really, quote, possessed, which is the title of one of his novels. And then 321, five lines down, Dostoevsky thus offers us two formulas for an atheist socialism, both diabolical. One is the subject of his novel, The Possessed, the other is set forth by the Grand Inquisitor, created by Ivan in the Brothers Karamazov. So those are the two examples he's going to give. <clears throat> mm -hmm. The other thing I think is interesting there, Father, is just before that, at the beginning of the section on page 320, when he says, uh, for him, socialism is not only the labor question or that of the fourth estate. It is, above all, the question of atheism, of its contemporary incarnation. It's the question of the Tower of Babel, which is being built without God, not to reach heaven from earth, but to bring heaven down to earth. And I think there's something interesting here because you have construction and then destruction, right? So uh, there's a certain type of utopianism, which is at least trying to reach heaven, uh, trying to make uh, a heaven on earth, uh, which is a, a construct, however ill-conceived. And then you have the other sort, which I think we, we, what we're living with now with the pride movement, those that just want to destroy, they just want to you know destroy the family. It's about destruction. It's about pulling, not not building a tower, but pulling the tower down so no one can reach heaven. Interesting. I guess using that image, it's the idea of of equality, which levels everyone out. Right, and 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 yeah, and a radical atheism which denies the existence of God denies uh, you know, the idea of a Christian understanding of love as being self-sacrificial, etc., that basically seeks to eradicate all of that, to destroy the very notion of heaven, which we saw, of course, when we discussed in August Comp. We'll return to the Forum Book Club with Father Joseph Fessio, Vivian Dudreau, and Joseph Pierce in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? 
Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to the Formed Book Club with Father Joseph Fezio, Vivian Dudreau, and Joseph Pierce. I love this line in the middle of 322 where Delubach says, and let there be no mistake about it. This is in the middle. His, meaning Dostoevsky's, ferocity toward the revolutionaries whose portraits he etches is matched by an equal lack of pity for the world they are undermining. Okay, now this is an important point because Dostoevsky himself starts out as something of a revolutionary. He, the reason why he goes to prison is because he's in an anti-Tsar protest. And, and not to mention, we've already touched on how he thought the West had become corrupt by all of these bad ideas of, of which we've already discussed. You know, uh, this atheistic humanism has crept into Russia from the West, as you pointed out. Joseph. And so we pointed out at our previous couple of meetings ago that he sympathizes with Nietzsche in condemning the things about, you know, the debased right. things about society. He sympathizes with the Bolshevik, they're not Bolsheviks yet, but this revolutionary movement has already begun before it takes on this other form. He sympathizes with these revolutionaries. Why? Because he wants people to be really Christian. And when they're not, they open up the way for now these artificial religions to fill a vacuum. Right, exactly. And, and it's, again, it's a typical communist socialist uh, strategy is to demonize anybody who dif disagrees with them by, by uh, insinuating 
that they are part of the problem that the socialists are against. So you basically you can't you can't say no. I agree with you that there's a lot of injustice, uh, but I, I, I disagree with you that you are you are the the cure for the disease. Correct. Uh, no, basically, if you're not part of their solution, you are the disease. That's right. That, that's, that's 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 the problem, right? There's no there's no effort at, at uh, dialogue or nuance. No, that's right. So then he says, uh, this is actually someone else, uh, this Berdiev, who's, I guess, a biographer. Berdiev, thank you. Berdiev. Berdiev. Okay, so Dostoevsky, he says, would be the last person to defend the old bourgeoisie world. In spirit, he is a revolutionary, but he wants a revolution with God and with Christ. Yep. On the bottom page, the next page, 321, you know, Dostoevsky sums it up here with his character Shigalov, the theorist of the band, that is the theorist of the rebels who are going to overthrow the current structure and replace it with something better. The system is a simple one. He sums it up as follows, quote, having set out from unlimited freedom, I've ended up with unlimited despotism, close quotes. I mean, that, that's kind of another expression of what Dubach is doing in this book. That's yeah. right. But that yeah. is where all these atheistic humanisms end up with. They all end right. up with despotism. Yeah, yeah. page 324, about six lines down. So let mankind, this is kind of the, the words of the revolutionaries. So let mankind be divided into two sections. One-tenth will exercise absolute authority over the other nine-tenths. That is the sine qua non for the establishment of paradise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as long as you're in the 10%, right? And it's that it's logical to exterminate the other nine-tenths. Right. But then, of course, who are the one-tenth going to rule over yeah. when they've killed everybody off? And who's going to do all the work? Yeah, that's a problem. To look back on many, many occasions, it's called Dostoevsky a prophet. In fact, Dostoevsky as prophet is the actual title of this whole section of the book. Um, uh, yeah, we need to remember that we have the wisdom of experience here, right? I mean, you know, we, 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 we've had the Bolshevik Revolution, we've had the rise of fascism, we've had we've had the rise of Nazism, we've had the communist revolutions in China and and, and, and Cambodia and what have you. We know this is true, right? But you know, he he, he had the French Revolution to look back on. Uh, uh, but other than that, you know, he's been proved right. Yes. That you know, and so they, they, we still have this socialism. Keep, let's do it again. It, it didn't work last time. Let's try again. Let's kill another 10 million people. So there's the first kind of social atheist, the one who wants to be a rebel and replace society. The second kind, bottom page 325, is represented by the Grand Inquisitor. Mm -hmm. uh, we have corrected your work. That is, Jesus, we've corrected your work. Men are delighted to be led once more like a flock of sheep. We declare ourselves masters of the earth. So not by revolutionary, by somebody saying, you know, we are going to uh, improve on the work of Christ, but we'll be the shepherds to take care of all the sheep. Right. Um, they will gladly, what the, um, it's not quoted here, uh, but in that speech of the Grand Inquisitor, he, sa he tells Christ, um, men will gladly exchange their freedom for bread. Yeah. We will yeah. give them the bread and they will give us their freedom and it'll be great. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, we see it in every society that people will choose comfort over liberty if 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 uh, if, if you make it a simple choice, um, which is tragic but true. And again, again, the metaphor here of the, you know we, we you know we will become the shepherds um, leading the sheep, but you know the difference between the good shepherd you know who goes seeking the the one black sheep 
and and the shepherd who leads the lambs to the slaughter is is the difference between heaven and hell, right? But you know what just popped into my head? I never thought about this before. The shepherd with his flock out in the fields, he's not giving the sheep their food. He's leading them to green pastures. He's leading them to restful waters. He's, in other words, he's guiding them to where they can find these things. But then they have to take it and eat it and drink it themselves. So there is this uh, freedom that's respected in that image that's not respected in the just give them the bread and circuses and uh, keep us in power. Those are two very different kinds of leadership. Being the guard against uh, shepherds, the wolves in shepherds' clothing, such as uh, Nietzsche or the Grand Inquisitor, right? This may be a a distant echo of this exchange of freedom for bread, Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not as radical. But I think of these terms of service in these websites you go to, you have to, oh, I accept your privacy statement. You don't read it, you know. <laughs> you want to get you want to get the entertainment or the news, and what are you paying for? They're taking your name, your address, your you know where you are, what you think, and they're selling that. They're selling you basically. Yeah, you know. it's true. Sad but true. Uh, anything before three twenty nine? Not for me. Oh, three twenty eight in the middle. The Grand Inquisitor and his associates have a family likeness to those servants of humanity that Auguste Comte dreamed of. That's exactly right. Yep. And that's why when, when the Lubach says it, it was Dostoevsky who was a response to these people. Here's a clear example of how Dostoevsky is responding to Comte. And Comte wanted to get the Jesuits on board with this program. And the Grand Inquisitor is a Jesuit in yeah. the novel. Do we, do we know whether Dostoevsky had read August Comte? Well, you wonder about that because you know, French was a language that was quite commonly known in Russia. Oh, yes. It was the educated person's language. Uh, Comte was a couple of decades before Dostoevsky. I don't know. It's a good question. A great subject of a doctoral thesis, maybe. Mm -hmm. Page 329, uh, as opposed to the Great Ant Hill, which is the 90% run by the 10% and so on, bottom of the page, there is no union worthy of that name except between persons. And where there is no freedom, there are no persons. Just as without God, there is no freedom. And boy, that's a pithy summary of this whole thing. Uh, but then if you if you accept that and honor that, you will have to live with the fact that people will misuse their freedom. And that will be messy. You, you, you have to be willing to, to accept that it's going to be messy if you're going to let people have their freedom. And this is a hard thing to do. Uh, ask any parent <laughs> raising yeah, children. Yeah, yeah. I come back to this, one of my favorite sayings by Chesterton, you know, that, that we have to learn to argue without quarreling. And if we, and if we, if we can't actually disagree with each other uh, on a rational level, um, then we end up just destroying each other. Basically, if I if I if, if you do, if you offend me, I'm going to punch you on the nose. Well, when when you've got to that level of things, then tyranny is the only thing that stops anarchy. Okay. That's right. <laughs> That's the trouble. <laughs> well, but in fact, what you said, Vivian, if you want to value and accept freedom, you have to accept a mess, things going wrong, people making bad decisions, and. That's exactly right, because that's what God did. Exactly. He gave us freedom, taking the risk 
that we would abuse it and misuse it. But in order to rescue us from having misused our freedom, the son becomes man and suffers the consequences of misused freedom. Yes. So that none of us can say, well, we accept the freedom. Look how we're suffering. It's true, but look how he suffered for giving us freedom. Right. And now he set the example that we will suffer from the misuse of other people's freedom as well as we'll suffer from our own sins as well. Right. But so now to try to find redemptive value in that, it's not that we're supposed to be indifferent toward the harm done by the misuse of freedom. We're supposed to be, have the same pity and compassion for others as God has for us. And to right. try I mean, to. You, you, you use the word messy and messiness. I mean, yeah, the crucifixion is the archetype <laughs> of messiness. It yeah. is the mess, right? Yeah. And, and, and all, all other messiness is that, if you like, a, a reflection of that ultimate mess that we made of things that Christ rectified. Page 330, anybody before that? <clears throat> no. Nope. Your paragraph. Thus, against earthly messianism, the idea that without God we're going to create paradise, Dostoevsky sets up the Christian apocalypse, and against dreams of a paradise somewhere in the human future, the hope of the kingdom of God, that is to say, we are not going to build paradise without God. Uh, we're not even going to build it with God. Uh, the end will come when he when he chooses it to end. It'll come in a consummation at his time, in his way. It'll be an apocalypse that is a revelation, opening of the veil, taking away the veil. But will not be some man-made ever. That's why I don't like this uh, hymn. They sometimes sing, let us build the kingdom of God. No, I'm sorry. It's coming down like a bride out of heaven. And yet I do, if I may, yeah. when the great reveal happens and all the dross is burned away, uh, Whatever we did for him will will still be there and will be part of this. That's of, true. Of, of his, you know, it, it isn't that we got the architect plans drawn up and we got out the bricks and we built it. No, but whenever we uh, love in conformity with his will and all the other stuff that we did gets burned away, you know, that will still be there as part of whatever he's doing. I agree, but we can't do it for him. No. Unless we do it with him. That's right. And he does it in us. Exactly. He gives us the will and the way. And we have to be patient to wait for this to unfold because we can't make it happen. You know, we just have to right. cooperate and wait patiently. And that's hard for people to do. That's yep. why they search for quick fixes. Good. Anything more on the second form of atheism, the social atheism? Well, you know, I think, I think that, uh, you know, we're obviously running out of time here. I, I, maybe uh, I, 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 we can, I'd like to have a look at, the, read this passage on page 332 and 333, um, because I think, you know, it's, sure. just, it's just brilliant. Um, so in a night of delirium, Raskolnikov, Dostoevsky, so he juxtaposes the two there, we already discussed whether that's, but valid. Uh, in a life of delirium, Raskolnikov Dostoevsky has seen an unparalleled plague sweep over Europe. Quote, some parasites of a new species, microscopic beings, had made their appearance, taking up their abode in human bodies. But these animalcules were spirits endowed with understanding and will. The persons affected by them instantly became raving mad. But never Never were men more convinced that they were in possession of the truth. 
Never had they a greater belief in the infallibility of their judgment, their scientific conclusions, and their moral and religious principles. Whole villages, towns, and countries were infected and lost their reason. They all lived in dread, and they no longer understood one another. Each thought that he alone possessed the truth and could discern good and evil. They did not know whom to condemn and whom to acquit. People killed one another under the influence of senseless anger. Great fires sprang up and then came famine. Pestilence raged over wider and wider areas. In all the world, only a few managed to survive. They were the pure, the elect, predestined to renew the earth, but nobody anywhere paid heed to these men. None heard their voices. Which I think is just so powerful. It's it's, We talked about applicability earlier. There are multifarious ways of applying that to the world in which we find ourselves. And well, that is, guys, the, that is the apocalypse. That, that, yes. that is the four horsemen of the apocalypse right there. War, yeah. and I, I famine, fire, That hideous strength by C.S. Lewis. Um, again, you know, we're basically, the, the, those who are serving science are actually, in fact, uh, serving demons. Uh, and, and they don't realize that their materialism is actually just a tool being used by the demonic. Good. Well, that kind of concludes section two, Tower of Babel. Good place to stop. Maybe we'll, we'll take a, pick up next session on section three, the Palace of Glass, which is to say the philosophic atheists. Thanks for watching and listening. God bless you. If you enjoyed this discussion, please help spread the word about the Forum Book Club by subscribing to the podcast and writing a review. You can sign up for weekly updates at formedbookclub.ignatius.com.